welcome to Hidden Gems Podcast. This is the weekly show where we dive into one of our streaming services and we let you know what we think are hidden gems in that service and what things that you ought to look out for. It's really fun. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey Rachel, it's so great to be back with you as usual. And uh, well, we're starting another month. We're starting April and uh, it's pretty safe to say that March was kind of a blase month for movies. Oh wait. Snyder Cut and a Godzilla vs. Kong movie in one month. Yeah. Don't say we're not spoiled because we are. <laughs> Plus we got some of those Oscar films that were finally released, like The Father and, and other movies. So that was kind of fun too. Yeah, and you can listen to That Wisdom and More on my new release roundup. Yes. No, I'm kidding. I'll save that for the end. But, uh, you should have. I watched it today. It was very good. <laughs> but uh, But yeah, and April is kind of, it's kind of looking like the calm before the storm. There's a, yeah. there's one movie I'm really looking forward to. It's Voyagers. That looks interesting. It's from the director of Limitless, which I've recommended on this show before. But other than that, April kind of looks bone dry. But then you got May and June and July and we're going to have- I know, people were saying movie. that they should Loki up because there's all this stuff in June, including Luca and all this other stuff. And- and so if they had Loki in May, there's just a, there's a two month gap where yeah. we need content. <laughs> and so, and I'd be like, yes, please do that. Listen, yeah, Disney. <laughs> we can actually have a summer movie season this year. Yeah. So today we are talking about HBO Max because we thought it would be fun to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong and also talk about the Snyder Cut. And uh, we talked about them a little bit in our monthly recap, but you can never talk too much about these films, evidently. Uh, <laughs> and I, it's interesting because when HBO made the announcement that they were doing simultaneously release, there were a lot of people, including myself, to be honest, saying, oh, this is it. This is the death nail to the theaters because theaters were in such a precarious place. And... I have to cry crow on this because I it is it's been very surprising. So Godzilla vs. Kong has come out the same day and day release, and it has done very well. It got $48.5 million in its first five days in theater. And for this pandemic time, that's by far and away the most successful that a film has been, and it's available on HBO Max. So it's kind of reassuring. Yeah, given all the circumstances, this is like the dream scenario. It's yeah. like the sun, the moon, the planets, and all the stars came into perfect alignment for a movie about a giant lizard and a giant monkey bashing each other to bring us all together under our collective yeah. love of movies. Yeah, they saved the day. Who would have thought? It warms the heart. <laughs> you truly love to see it. You really do. You do. <laughs> so... It's 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 good to see that people, even if they can stream it at home, are still interested in going to the theater. And I I was worried, honestly, that the most vulnerable audience would be the family audience because it's such a pain to do stuff with kids. <laughs> as someone, uh, but as someone who survived many a regal summer movie series, I can attest to that. Yeah, but the. But the family films have done well, too. Tom and Jerry did well. I mean, Raya was disappointing, but as far as this box office, 
but H Tom and Jerry, which was also simultaneously released on HBO Max, did well. Groods New Age did well. So it's interesting. Yeah, we live in uh, we live in uh, the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> it's pretty safe to say. Mostly worst of times, a little best of times. <laughs> We're getting more towards the former. Yeah. Each and we every. are, we are. It's true. Well. As far as the movie goes, what was your overall thoughts about the film? Well, I should um, I should give everyone a bit of context in that I love Godzilla and I love Kong both equally. I've seen most of the early Godzilla films. There's some that I haven't seen, but I will get around to. I have not seen the Millennium series. I do want to, though, but I have, I've seen like 75% of the Godzilla movies. They're a lot of fun. They're like, they're like amazing trash, like except for the original, which is legitimately a classic. And the rest are just like, they're basically cash grabs, but the achievement that they were, that Toho was able to create with doing the same, pretty much the same movie over and over and over again, all the way into like the mid seventies is very admirable. And so when I heard that they were going to make a series about it, for the MonsterVerse, I was very excited. I'm a bit of a MonsterVerse apologist. I love Godzilla 2014. I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island. Godzilla King of the Monsters, I see why people hate it, but I liked it. Maybe it was because I saw it on my birthday in IMAX with my best friend. So maybe I have rose tinted glasses, but I still dug it, at, I mean, at least enough to buy the Blu-ray. So when I heard Godzilla vs. Kong was coming out, I was like, Sign me up. I'm there day one. Then COVID happened and we all know what happened there. And I was just so afraid I was not going to be able to see it, but we ended up getting it. And my prognosis is this, is it very cliche? Yes. But this movie gives you exactly what you ask for. Godzilla versus Kong in a death match against each other on more than one occasion in the daylight. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You could pretty much discount all the human stuff, but like just go into it for the fights. I think you'll be very impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, unlike you, have not been a fan of this monster verse. I actually, I think, had all three in my bottoms of the year, all three that came out. Boy. Uh, so, yeah, I have not been a fan of them. And I really disliked. Uh, King of the Monsters. I just didn't like the way it was edited. I didn't like the way that it was shot with all of everything was just so cloudy and hard to see. And I don't know, it just, to me, it felt like a Transformers movie. I didn't enjoy it. But this one, I actually really did like. I felt like this one, you could actually see what was happening and it was bright and it was colorful and it was clear and it wasn't edited so weirdly and as far as the human characters i thought that the kong side of things was a lot stronger than the godzilla side of things mm -hmm. particularly that little girl i thought she was very good uh i liked it as well but every time that i saw kong and the little girl interacting i was just like hogarth hughes from the iron giant has entered the chat it, it just i just, all i was expecting kong to do in that moment was just go like Superman, or, or something like that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was I was okay with it. I, I thought she was very good, very captivating, and pretty impressive. That's her first 
role, like of any he, significance. She's a really good actor for having literally no dialogue except yeah. sign language. Yeah. Sign language counts. Yeah, and I I just thought, especially that last fight, that last like 35, 40 minutes was so fun. And of all the stuff with like the gravity and the drilling through the earth and so he's very silly. He's <laughs> extremely, but I don't think it's as grown worthy as Vera Farmiga's plot to save the world in King of the Monsters. That was so... It was like, it worked for Endgame. Let's copy it. <laughs> like, what is your I mean, in the, in the Showa movies, the plots get even more insane. Like, like Ghidra becomes mind-controlled by these space alien apes. Oh, no, wait. That's, this is supposed to be a scientist that is somehow, this is logical, that this is her explanation of how she's going to save the world. It was ridiculous. But Matt, nevertheless, I I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was, it was what I've been hoping that these movies would be. And then it finally was. And I I really, I really liked it. I liked that it was set in Hong Kong with all the lights and the color. And it kind of reminded me of Pacific Rim. I don't think it's quite as good as Pacific Rim. But it was fun. Yeah, the Mechagodzilla, his first appearance, he was controlled by intergalactic space apes. No, I am not kidding. That was actually the plot. <laughs> so it, it's based in the silliness. You just have yeah. to embrace it. I am very behind on Godzilla. I've only seen from the Emmerich movie Up. I've never seen anything else, which is oh, terrible. Poor, poor, poor soul. <laughs> so it's a big blind spot. I actually have it coming up in my blind spot series to watch the original. Uh, I have seen more King Kong, but I, um, I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen more of them. And I absolutely love the original King Kong. It's amazing. Oh, so anyway, yeah. what would you give Godzilla vs. Kong 1 to 10? Uh, mm. Is it possible to give like a, like a, mm, no, I'll give it an eight. Human stuff aside, the fights in this are legitimately awesome. And just, and like my favorite is the ending between Godzilla Kong when they team up against, should I spoil what it is or should I just leave it alone? The, uh, the ending, you can go, go for it. It's fine. The ending where Godzilla and Kong team up against Mecha Godzilla was legitimately awesome. And Kong's yeah. still at the end where he just, rips Mechagodzilla's jaw up and he's like, oh, <laughs> yes, good, yeah. this is a cinema. <laughs> I also appreciated the fact that they had the podcaster as the lead, one of the lead characters. I, <laughs> I thought it was, I, I like Brian Tyree Henry. I thought that was kind of cringe because I was just sitting there like, Mel Gibson did this so much better in Conspiracy Theory. All that's needed when, is Patrick Stewart running around doing a crappy uh, American accent. Well, when he comes up to uh, Kyle Chandler in the amongst all the chaos, and he's like, will you be on my podcast? I was like, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> I did. That's accurate. That. That's I, accurate. <laughs> I thought of you in that moment. Yes, that's right. I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, I also gave an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I said, and that's the admittedly overused word to describe Godzilla versus Kong fun. It has enough story to facilitate Kong and Godzilla fighting it out. 
And when that fight happens, it delivers. Junkie XL helps things along with an energetic score and it all makes for a classic spectacle time at the movies. And that's not something I've been able to say with this franchise so far. Yeah, I think Junkie XL is, is low-key one of the best composers going right now. Yeah. Like or dislike the movies that he's involved with, his scores are usually the best part. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Junkie XL, let's talk about his other big film. Oh boy. <laughs> In March, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And everybody on this channel knows my rocky relationship with the DC uh, Cinematic Universe. I have been mixed, but I did actually enjoy the original Justice League. I thought it was fun. I had a good time with it. I said it was a hot mess at the time, but it was my kind of hot mess. Uh, I liked seeing Superman back to his truth, justice, and the American way. I liked the, uh, the action for the most part. And overall, I just had fun watching it. And uh, so then we get this Snyder Cut, long asked for, long hashtagged. And <laughs> it's a four hour cut. And in my review, I said, it is best described as an event like something you watch in an amusement park, only four hours long. Writing a review of this event then becomes difficult. How do we judge its quality when it is a unique beast? He said, my main response after four hours is, it's fine. <laughs> I liked most everything with Wonder Woman. Aquaman sections were bland. The action felt very video game inspired, which doesn't move or excite me. Superman parts I enjoyed, even with the black suit, which I was not expecting to like. It was nice seeing Ben Affleck healthy again in this world. So I liked most of the Batman Bruce, Bruce sequences. Flash felt extemporaneous, but fine. Cyborg had been oversold to me and I didn't think was anything special. Plus, Ray Fisher has no charisma as an actor. And so there we go. That's my kind of mixed response. I like Wonder Woman. I liked Superman. I liked Batman well enough. And overall, I thought it was fine. Well, I guess it's my turn. I disliked the Whedon cut of Justice League. I thought it was a Frankenstein's monster of a movie with a little bit of Snyder and a little bit of Whedon and the two forces just going like, like butting heads for two hours. But as far as the Snyder cut goes, I treated it like the Loch Ness Monster. There were a group of people who obsessed over it and there would be like, hey, Snyder cut's coming out in two days. You see, you'll be proven wrong. And I'll just be like, Sure, Jan, I'll believe it when I see it. But shut my mouth, it actually got released. And not only did it get released, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It is very long, I don't think it's perfect, but what I do respect about it is that Zack Snyder got to tell the story that he wanted to tell. Uh, there's a definitive vision, that, it, and like it or dislike it, this is definitely this is definitely a Zack Snyder movie. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, I can't remember if this was Alonzo Duralde's review or somewhere else, but uh, the reviewer described this movie as black licorice. You're either going to love it or think it's the worst thing ever made. I'm hashtag all licorice matters, so I, I really loved this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that was Alonzo's review, and I, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I gave it a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, so don't come at me. I gave it a fresh. It's fresh. Relax, <laughs> relax, relax. <laughs> um, I think it succeeded in doing what it set out to do. I think it was entertaining enough. It was a little bit 
slow and you know I mean, he was a little bit laborious at times but again i liked superman i liked wonder woman and i realized watching this movie that they are by far my favorite i am not surprised by this revolution <laughs> and i don't like aquaman i think aquaman is a snooze it's not he's not for me uh so that's fine and i will give, I will give one kernel of credit they actually tied this in with the aquaman movie there's a certain scene where where Aquaman returns to um, returns to Atlantis and uh, and Willem Dafoe's character I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. Then they have a nice little scene together, and I really enjoyed that. I liked the connective tissue of um, of bringing this and the Aquaman movie like together. I liked the bridging of the two. I am glad they got rid of those bubbles though for Aquaman movie. Those yeah. look terrible. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I didn't like, or I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think that the addendum was very good. And people were like, oh, it's the greatest Joker to ever exist. I'm like, really? You sure about that? <laughs> yeah, really? Better than Ledger or Hamill or, I mean, come on. <laughs> Heath, Led Heath Ledger put himself through... Heath Ledger put himself through a crazy amount of effort to try and get that performance. Yeah, you literally died a, after. I mean... Pretty much, yeah. And he got an Oscar posthumously yeah. for it. And now you're going to say that Leto in a dream sequence in the end of the Snyder Cut is better? But come on. He's Jared Leto's Joker, who is basically the Joker if he walked into a Hot Topic and said, I'll take it. <laughs> And managed to get his uh, his it's complicated uh, tattoo removed. We live uh, in society. <laughs> anyway, I give it a six out of ten. So there we go. Everyone can be happy. I I've actually given half of the DCEU movies fresh reviews. It's just not the ones that people want me to like, evidently. Because uh, you're not supposed to like the things you're I supposed to like. Wonder Woman. I gave Wonder Woman eighty four fresh. I gave the uh, the Justice League and then Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, fresh. So, and I really like team up movies. Those are almost always my favorite. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Avengers movies. I like them all very much. Now, I'm just patiently waiting for my Thundercats movie because Adam <laughs> Wingard is going to be uh, is going to be writing and directing that, and so I have waited very patiently and longly for a Thundercats movie. So it now mm. is the time. I loved X Men: Days of Future Past. That one was the best. So uh, there we go. So we talked about the two big releases on HBO Max. Now we're going to give just four recommendations this time because we knew we would be taking up quite a bit of time with those uh, films. And so I wanted to start, it's it's not really a hidden gem, but I want to talk about it anyway. Uh, is the other big release to come to HBO Max, April 1st, is The Nanny. All of six seasons are now on HBO Max. And they're not only all six seasons, but they are the unedited, uh, the, the the original as aired 
episodes. So instead of being as they were for syndication, which sometimes adds, they include more advertising time. So they cut things down. This is the original aired episodes. That is from Fran Drescher herself, who I got to interview as part of my podcast, The Francast. It was so exciting. We got to have her on because we've been covering the nanny on The Francast, me and my friends. And that was pretty wild. And You've interviewed fun. her twice now, right? I've interviewed her twice. So we're pretty much best friends. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was working on Friday. I was working on Thursday or Friday and I heard a squeal of glee from like the westerly side of things. And I'm like, Rachel's just <laughs> doing Fran Drescher, isn't she? And sure enough, I was right. That's right. I love her and I love the nanny. It's my comfort show. It's my go-to show when I'm in a bad mood. I just love it. I think it's so funny and it's such a great romantic comedy in TV form. Uh, the relationship between uh, Maxwell Sheffield and Fran Fine is so well done and uh, they have such a great chemistry and I just love it. And we actually on the Francast covered the wedding, the big wedding this weekend. And so it was like perfect the week that the HBO Max gets the nanny is the week for our podcast that we're doing the wedding. And then we got Fran on and it was just pretty epic. So uh, if you like the nanny, definitely watch it on HBO Max and you can follow us at Frankcast14 on Twitter. You can listen to the podcast. It's just fun little thing that I do with my friends and it's just been a great it's something I've always wanted to do is do a podcast on the nanny but then once the pandemic hit I was like why not do it let's do it you're not <laughs> going there might as well it's been great so that's my first recommendation so what do you have well first let's tie a bow on that my only real memories of the nanny is that I used to watch Nick and Knight a lot Kids, for all of you that don't remember, Nick and Knight <laughs> was that on the Nickelodeon channel after, after the cartoons would end, they would show older shows like All in the Family and Sanford and Son until like the crack of dawn. It was great. Yeah, and was one, of, one of my favorite shows on there was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We all know what that show is. Launched Will Smith's acting career. Uh, James Avery was excellent as Uncle Phil. I could talk about Fresh Prince for days, but I'll save that for another time. But what always came on after Fresh Prince was The Nanny. And I saw those bumpers just forever and a day. Just be like, coming up. And then Fran Drescher be like, oh, hi. And then like the over-the-top voice and be like, you know, like The Nanny coming at 9 Eastern only on Big yeah. Ed 9. See, you missed out. You <laughs> should have followed those bumpers. And you would have had a lifetime more joy. Suppose so. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of, I mean, isn't the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion on HBO Max? Yes, it is. Yeah, there I, you go. I, I have not seen it yet. I, I keep meaning to because, as you probably know, the Will Smith and Janet Hubert thing is quite public. They had a, mm -hmm. quite a bit of beef for a while, but it's kind of evaporated in the past year or so. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But there's something yeah. that always kind of limits me from going into other Fresh Prince related content because James Avery was just the soul of that show. Mm. Like he was just, he could do it all. He was a Shakespearean trained actor, but he could also dance to Soul Man from, from Sam and Dave. It just, it was just incredible. I could talk about James Avery for 
years, but. <laughs> yeah, have you heard that they're doing a reboot, a dramatic? A gritty reboot, reboot? yes. Yeah. I, I saw that trailer and I don't know how I feel about it, but Will Smith always did vision more of a darker side of things and the original did play with more darker themes. So mm -hmm. I'll see where they take it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. It's based on, they, there's a YouTube trailer, a oh, viral Prince. video. Oh, Prince. And, yeah, and then they greenlit it into an actual show. So that, it, it could be pretty interesting. I'm not sure where it's uh, going, going to be on, if it's on Peacock or on, I believe, anyway. I believe they said it was coming to Peacock as an exclusive. Mm, that makes sense, because it was an NBC show originally. So anyway, I've... Let's see, so what's your first choice? So my first choice is from 1986 and it is one of my favorite musicals. It is Little Shop of Horrors. What many people may not remember is that this movie is loosely based on a movie from the 60s called The Little Shop of Horrors, which was directed by Roger Corman, who pretty much other than been directing a lot of 50, a, a crap ton of movies. Like seriously, it's insane the amount of movies he directed. He also launched the careers of guys like Jack Nicholson, Francis Ford Coppola, James Cameron, and etc. But that movie in the 60s launched Jack Nicholson's career. And then in the 80s, the movie was remade into a musical with who one of the uh, people behind it was Howard Ashman. We all know who he is, or at least Rachel does. Genius. And Little Shop of Horrors tells the story of a very nerdy flower shop attendant played by Rick Moranis, who discovers this very unique plant after a total eclipse of the sun blowing. And then, and then he names him Audrey too, after the love of his life named Audrey. And the plant slowly grows and grows and grows and grows. And honestly, I could talk about this movie for hours because it's just, it's supremely underrated. It's wholly unique. It was directed by Frank Oz. I mean, we all know who he is. Like he was the voice of Yoda, but not just that. He also had a hand in a lot of Henson related wares and still is working off and on to this day. And so he's just one of, he's one of, he's a very unique talent. That's, that's what I would say. And mm -hmm. Rick Moranis is in there. He's always awesome. And then you have Steve Martin as the dentist. You'll be a dentist. And just, they picked the perfect person to play this role. It just, the you'll be a dentist number is just awesome. It's awesome every single time I watch it. No matter how many times I go back to it, it's just wholly new to me every single time. I mean, if you haven't checked out Little Shop of Horrors, do yourself a favor and please do. The songs are great. The choreography is really good. Just, I can't say enough good things about it. Go watch it if you haven't. A pine soul scented world, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere that's, that's green. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I agree, very good choice. All right, my next choice is another quasi-musical. It is Ella Enchanted. And I love different versions of Cinderella. In fact, one of the very first videos I ever did on this channel was a whole series called Defending Cinderella, where I, I reviewed like five, six different versions of Cinderella and talked about why she's not this uh, 
demeaning anti-feminist character like somehow made to be sometimes and so i just partial to any version of cinderella and just enjoy cinderella and ella enchanted is kind of a fun take on cinderella and she is uh this uh young lady who is given a, a supposed gift by this uh fairy godmother where she has to be obedient to anybody uh who uh who order gives her an order and so that causes a lot of problems when you're a cinderella character and this stars Anne Hathaway, Hugh Dancy, Carrie Elwes, Vivica Fox, Steve Coogan. It's a really fun cast. And they have, I think, pretty good chemistry. A lot of people complain that it's not very accurate to the book. I haven't read the book. Uh, but I nevertheless enjoyed this film. And this so. movie is also narrated by Eric Idle of Monty Python fame. Mm. And considering that this is a relatively like family movie and considering all the shenanigans that he got up to in the Monty Python days, it's just, it's so, it's just really funny to me considering mm. all the Monty Python stuff in this like Cinderella type movie. It's like oil, water. They couldn't be any more different true and it has covers from queen and Elton uh, john and other fun songs so i think you should check it out what's your next pick so my next choice is one of my favorite comedies and a movie that i have a lot of memories of and it is called grumpy old men uh this was directed by Donald Petrie, who directed Miss Congeniality and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And this movie stars Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau as lifelong, air quotes, friends, who have had a rivalry going for a very long time. Even though they live next to each other and like are like talk to each other every day, they are bitter enemies. Their greeting to each other is, morning, D-head. And then Lemmon's like, hello, moron, and just, they just trade barbs at each other and do pranks at each other at their own expense. But then one day across the street, a beautiful woman moves in named Ariel Truex, played by Anne Margaret. And the two compete to try and gain her affections. I love this movie. I love everything about it. I, I saw this movie way too young. I know this because I learned 75% of the curse words that I know from this movie. It's very... It's very salty, but it's also a very touching story. It's funny. It can be downright sad at times. When Chuck dies, ugh, it still is just, it's brutal stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's also Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau in a movie together. So that is automatically like just solid gold. The two had mm -hmm. an amazing chemistry with each other, whether it was in The Odd Couple or whether it was in another Billy Wilder joint or something or something other, even when they were separated, the two were excellent. And we have not seen a comedy duo like them ever since. I love Grumpy Old Men. I even love the sequel too, Grumpier Old Men. It's just, I love both of these movies wholeheartedly. Yeah, I was thinking that we had already covered that, but then I realized, no, we just talked about it when we interviewed or when we did the, uh, the episode on Love Guaranteed, remember yeah. that? And we talked about, because Mark Steven Johnson, because he wrote it, 
And so that's where we talked about it before. I knew we had talked about it and yeah, it's a fun, if you like cranky old late old lady, old, old man movies, then you'll like this movie, which come on, those are fun. Right. Ariel's house is a trip too. There's this one where where, uh, Max, uh, Walter Matthau's character is out on a date per se. And he sees this TV, but there's like a goldfish in there. And he's like, ah, this TV, it's got no guts. <laughs> yes. And you kind of like Anne Margaret. I mean, it's just fun. So my next pick is uh, a action movie that I really enjoy that I think kind of gets forgotten is when they're discussing some of the better action movies is The Mask of Zorro. This is directed by Martin Campbell. And, and Antonio Banderas was just born to play this part. He is perfect as Zorro. He's so charming. And then you have Catherine Zeta-Jones playing uh, the woman, I forget her name, but it's great. And you've got Anthony Hopkins and it's just super fun. It's got great stunts, uh, great action. I, I really like it. I've got the VHS of it back there. I don't know if any of you can see it. I can, nice. I can go grab it. <laughs> That's how much I love this movie. I have the VHS of it, even though I own it on DVD and Blu-ray also. Nice. I've seen this movie so many times. Like I can pretty much, I can pretty much quote this movie from memory because this movie is excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it starts out very tragic, but then it just ramps up and up and up and up to like the third act where it's just Antonio Banderas is kicking all the butts. So is Hopkins. Catherine Zeta Jones is so sexy. It's just, she's a work of art. Michael Douglas is a very lucky man. That's all I'll say. Yes. She is very, very sexy in it and they have great chemistry, I think together. That's a really fun movie. That scene in the stable is worth the price of admission by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What's your next pick? So my next choice is an animated film. It's from the DC animated universe, and it is called Batman Year One. Uh, this is a movie that is based on the Frank Miller graphic novel of the same name. And from its title is, well, Batman Year One. It chronicles the first years of Bruce Wayne as Batman and James Gordon in the Gotham Police Force. Uh, This particular movie is special because Jim Gordon is voiced by Bryan Cranston, who who was just in the middle of his epic run on Breaking Bad. He was in Argo and just a bunch of other smaller movies. He was like in 20,000 movies in 2012. He was everywhere. And then Batman was voiced by Ben McKenzie, who would go on to play Jim Gordon in the Gotham television show. So everything comes full circle. And when it comes to these Batman movies, I, I love most of them. Killing Joke is hard work. But, but, uh, but most of, more often than not, these are really fun to watch. And they're, they're, uh, they're really faithful for the most part and bringing these stories to the screen. Uh, Frank Miller is not everyone's cup of tea. I do get that, and I do understand. But when he made year one, it was just a masterpiece. And honestly, there's a part of me that doesn't want to see a Batman year one movie because, well, 
we already got one in animated form and it's excellent. Go yeah. check it out. I haven't seen that one, but I want to because I do like the, the animated Batman yeah. uh, universe. Yeah, you also got Elijah Dushku in there and Katie Sackhoff is in there as well. It's a pretty good cast. Oh, cool. All right, my last recommendation is from 1997. It's a movie called Wag the Dog. This is by director Barry Levinson, and it's a political satire about these. Uh, the, the president has uh, has been accused of sexual misconduct, and so they want to. There's only a couple more weeks till the election, and so they want to distract the American public. And so, in order to get them to think there's something more important than the president's misdeeds, they uh, they develop this phony war, and they uh, they make it uh, basically this spin spin thing where they trick the media, they trick everybody to getting invested in this war, and it's very well done. You have Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Anne Hayes, Woody Harrelson, Jim Belushi, Dennis Leary, Willie Nelson. I mean, incredible. Kirsten Dunst, William H. Macy. I mean, the list goes on and on. The cast is incredible. It's like shockingly prophetic about so many different things that have happened since. I was going to say, that's incredibly (laughs) accurate. About the spin and the media and even certain things like Me Too and certain other things that it's talking about. And and it's obviously, it's a satire, so you have to take it kind of tongue-in-cheek. But it's, Uh, I think it's, it's what's that satire yes it's right up there honestly i think with something like dr strange love maybe it's not i'm not saying it's as good as that but it's in that in that category of film and i think that it it's one that people have kind of forgotten and it's really good definitely worth checking out you know a few years ago i went on a quest to to watch all of the movies from 1997 because that was the year i was born and I got up to about 90%, and Wag the Dog is one of the ones that I have not seen. Well, now I don't really have an excuse not to watch it. Yeah, you should. Let me know when you watch it, because it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's a good movie, and, and kind of scary. <laughs> okay, there's I haven't watched of, it in a while. But, yeah. A lot of truth said in jest. Right. <laughs> so what is your last one? So my last choice, and this is kind of a de- Debatable hidden gem because it's a part of a very popular and beloved franchise, but I have a lot of good memories with this, and so I want to talk about it anyway. It's Rocky Balboa. This is Rocky number six. Uh, mm. I have not seen Rocky Five in a very long time, but what I do know about it is that it left a bad taste in people's mouths. I don't think it was necessarily hated, but it wasn't really loved either. So people were always like, Is Stallone going to do another one? Could he do another one? And well, our questions were answered. Uh, Rocky Balboa tells the story of, well, Rocky Balboa. He is now completely retired. He is living quietly in Philadelphia. He owns a restaurant. He gets a dog. He has about as quiet a life as you could ever ask for. But then ESPN simulates a video game fight between himself and the current heavyweight champion, Mason the Lion Dixon. It's all fun and games, right? Well, Dixon gets offended by this because Balboa wins in the video game. And so he's like, hey, Rocky, I want to challenge you. And Rocky's like, no, thanks. I'm retired. But then after enough persuasion, he decides to give it one more round. 
it, when you get to the sixth movie in a franchise, you're always going to be like, okay, this is where things slowly start to fall apart if they haven't fallen apart already. Not Rocky Balboa. I, again, I, this is the first Rocky movie I saw in theaters, so maybe I have rose-tinted glasses, but this movie is still very impressive. This was written and directed by Stallone, so there's that touch to it. And despite all the people making fun of his voice, I think he is a very smart writer and a very good director. So, so there's that. You also have Stallone doing a lot of his own stunts, and he's in his 60s by this point. That's very admirable right there. You have Antonio Tarver, who this is his one and only performance in this movie. And that's sad because I think he could have gone really far. I really liked him as a villain here. And then you have Milo Ventimiglia, sorry in advance if I butchered that, as Rocky's son and he's great. Burt Young gives one last performance as, as Polly, and he's really good. And I like the relationship between Rocky and Marie. That could have been so phoned in, but they actually do a really good job with it. And on the whole, is this the best Rocky movie? No, I, say, I still say the first one is the best one. Everyone else is just playing for second banana. But Rocky Balboa for a sixth movie is far better than it has any right to be. Yeah, I think I, I remember enjoying this film. I, I, I've always said I... I wish they uh, would do the uh, the Rocky uh, Four robot movie. <laughs> Don't put it past them; they might actually do. <laughs> they, I mean, they they that was probably peak Rocky, and then no, just kidding. But uh, no, this is a lot of fun and a good kind of uh, reboot. It's kind of I feel like it sort of made people ready for Creed. Yeah, this was like a perfect like send off to the Rocky character and then allowing Creed to come in and take over. And those movies have been good as well, so. Yeah, it was like a little hors d'oeuvre to get us ready for Creed. <laughs> it, I mean, you laugh, yeah. but it's also kind of true. Yeah, no, it is, it is. Very good, very good pick. All right, well, that is our picks for this week. Let us know what you've been watching on HBO Max. A lot of interesting stuff on there so we'd love to hear what you've been watching and what you think of our picks and what you thought of godzilla versus kong and what you thought of the snyder cut be nice in the be comments polite. please be polite <laughs> and ryan where can people find you they can find me on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd at ryan cam 20 then there's of course my youtube channel which is just called ryan cam on the stream last night uh, we're recording this on a monday so this would be this would be Sunday, but on the stream Sunday, I passed 135 subscribers and now I'm at 137. So I want to say thank you to everyone who has come over to check out my channel and subscribed. It's only going to get bigger and better from here. I released the new release roundup talking about the Snyder Cut and Godzilla vs. Kong in detail while also talking about The Father, Nobody, Raya, and a bunch of others. So if you haven't checked that video out, please do. Uh, I'm going to be releasing a WandaVision video, long overdue, but I've had to think long and hard about my feelings on that show, and I think I'm now finally ready to talk about it. And then this coming Sunday, I'll be doing a big retrospective on the three flavors of Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, and talking about those movies in depth. So if you haven't come over and checked me out, please do. I've got 
I finally watched series where I'm looking at all the Ghibli movies and just so much content coming. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Yeah, y'all should definitely check it out. It's really good stuff. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. Also make sure you're following the Homeworkies podcast and check out the Francast if you want, all over the place. We also have our paging group and merch store. Take a look at the links for those in the comment, I mean, the description section, please. And thanks again. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Peace.